Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Titus 1, verses 1 through 4. This is how it reads. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. In hope of of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. God bless the reading of his word. The title of this message, and again it might be a title in a series dealing with this subject, I just don't know. No deviations. No deviations. In every religion, every religion outside of God that speaks of eternity or some form of eternal life has its basis on the individual needing to do something within themselves to earn life or to earn heaven or to earn some relationship with God. There's something that they feel I personally must do. Christianity stands alone that says that we are saved completely by God's grace. The only thing you bring to the table is your sins. It is only by the grace of God are we saved, and that there is nothing that we can do ourselves to save ourselves. Check out any religion, and you will find that to be true, where they will say, and even many Christians, what do I need to do? Our salvation, our promise of eternal life stems only and solely from the grace of God and what he has done alone. Please remember that. Point to any one of your best days in life, any day that you say is your best day, and it is covered with the stain of sin that bars you from ever being able to enter the presence of God. Your best day. Your best night. Your best morning, your best second. (laughs) It is only God's grace in sending Jesus Christ alone who atones for our sins. That is really hard for many people to take in because many people want to believe that there are many paths and many ways to God. The Bible says, oh, there, that, that people believe that there are many roads to God. There's a broad, broad road. There's a narrow. But I want you to understand this. When the Bible speaks of of the broad and the narrow road, understand carefully, they believe that they are following the truth to eternal life. You see, the broad road, many people think that they are on that road just doing their own thing, but many people on the broad road are following the wrong one. No, they think they are following truth, many. But oh, no, 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 no. There is a narrow road. That narrow road is only Jesus Christ. I know that can be hard to swallow. But take a big gulp and swallow it anyway. The book of Titus was written by the Apostle Paul. 
It was written when Paul was on his fourth missionary journey. The dates possibly are said to be between A.D. 62 to 64. A.D. Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, not after death, in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini. Titus was a Gentile Christian. A Gentile was anyone that was not Jewish and is anyone that's not Jewish. They were called Gentiles, just a Gentile, a person who is non-Jewish. Titus was a Gentile Christian and seems to have been converted under Paul's ministry, according to Dr. Sproul. Uh, let me say this. There's not a whole lot mentioned about Titus in the Bible. He's not listed or mentioned even in the book of Acts, where one would think and believe that he would be mentioned there because often in Paul's travels, when one became a part of his ministry, you will often find them noted or listed or mentioned in the book of Acts. Acts are the acts of the apostles. After Christ rose from the dead, he left that ragtag group of disciples in charge. Can you imagine? Jesus says, I'm leaving and you all go and carry out the great commission. Preach the word. He left it with them. Those that had, had ran and hid and said, we don't want to die. Jesus is gone and the religious leaders are coming after us next with the Romans. And they were in hiding. The Lord says, I'm leaving it with y'all. <laughs> don't look for someone great and well-known throughout the world to carry out God's word. That may happen, but he's called you. You. He says, I'll empower you. Titus may have traveled, is believed, with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. Paul trusted Titus and he could count on him. Do you have people that you can count on? People that you, uh, you can say, they have my back. I can put some confidence in that individual. Well, Paul felt that way about Titus and Timothy. And in fact, Timothy and Titus, the books are very closely related because they oftentimes speak of the same, they have the same message and are given the same. They are what's called epistles, letters. These are letters that Paul wrote to the church and wrote to them specifically. Titus later served as Paul's representative on the island of Crete. You'll see that in Titus 1.5. He served on the island of Crete. And in the province of Dalmatia. You'll find that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 that we didn't put up there just as a note. Uh, Paul wrote to Titus when he was in Macedonia on an earlier part of the journey. He and Paul had been involved in ministry work on the island of Crete. And when Paul departed, he left Titus there to put some things in order and to continue the work. Isn't it great that when your leader can say, you are in charge, carry on the work, I must go over here. Paul writes to Timothy while he is in Crete to bring his work to a close. He writes him because he wants him to bring his work to a close. Paul wanted Timothy to complete the work of installing elders and to deal with false teachers. Even though Titus is also dealing with that, he is calling him to a new assignment and he's calling Timothy that we have studied to go there. So he wants him to, to an, 
installed teachers and to deal with false teaching and to give directions on proper conduct to the churches. When Timothy arrived, Titus was to leave there and meet Paul in Nicopolis. The book of Titus is a personal letter. How many of you have your old letters from childhood? Any of y'all got any old letters from childhood? Any old boyfriend and girlfriend letters? Don't, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> any of those letters when you were dating and got married? You got any of those letters too? How many of y'all even wrote letters? <laughs> this is a personal letter. When you have something that's personal, it's something that you often cherish, especially if the words are trustworthy and true and you have this desire for that connection. Paul writes a personal letter to Titus, just like he wrote a personal letter to Timothy. Paul concludes the letter with the plural and even begins the letter with the plural you. So we know that while it is a personal letter to Timothy, it is also meant to be read in the church. It is meant to be read to the churches, which means this letter is just like First and Second Timothy, which was to be shared with the body of Christ. Paul gives the same principles to both Timothy and to Titus, even though they are ministering in different places. One of the unique things about the Word of God is that you can have a person serving here, Russia, Africa, Ireland, New Zealand. You can have them serving any place, and yet the message, the continuity, the agreement is the same. One God. We serve one God. <laughs> and he can have billions of people around the world world serving him, living for him, and being faithful to the word, and there's no contradiction. He can have that. Now, there may be a difference in style, but the word of God is not divided. Titus is to emphasize God's grace. What is grace? What is grace? Grace, grace. We often say grace is God's unmerited favor. Unmerited, unworked for. It's something that you cannot own. It's not something that you can work to get. It is something that is given freely. God's unmerited favor, God's grace. That's when we speak of salvation, that it is something that God gives us. When we say that we are saved by grace, it says that we have been saved by the sole work of what God himself did through Christ. It is only what the Lord does. So when we say that we are saved by grace, it is unmerited on our end. We didn't work for it. God freely gives his grace. A common saying in the epistle of Titus, which just means letter, is this phrase, which you often will find in some of Paul's writing in in Timothy. He will often say, this is a trustworthy saying. This is a trustworthy saying. I don't know how many politicians who were to say that that I would believe. Some, yes. But you can trust the word of God because what God says is true. This is a trustworthy saying. Uh, This letter is important as like 1 Timothy, it focuses on church organization. Paul emphasizes that salvation is by grace alone. And what Paul says about false teaching is the same as he speaks about it in the book of Timothy. Verse number one, Paul, a servant of God. Paul, a servant. 
Many people don't like being servants. Some do. But what is a servant? A servant is a slave. The Greek is called doulos. Paul starts the letter by saying the first thing, Paul, a servant, a slave, a doulos. He represents himself in starting the letter as one who is owned by someone else. Do you realize when the name of the word slave is mentioned that it, it, it automatically conjures in your mind that someone belongs to another person or someone is not free? Do you realize if you are a born again believer that you also are a doulos? Oh, Lord, help us. I ain't no slave to anybody. <laughs> huh. Paul says, I'm a slave. I am a doulos. And he mentioned that at the very start of the letter. Paul doesn't oftentimes mention himself as a servant. He often mentions, mentions himself actually as an apostle. In his writings, Paul follows the customary formal Greek, Greek letter writing style. In the Greek Greco world, there was a way they wrote letters. Even as today we think about it, there was an introduction, there was the body of the letter, and then there is the conclusion. Even in essays in school, when you're writing a paper, they say, we want you to write an essay. Well, if that essay, if it's going to get a nice grade, it probably should include an introduction, maybe three points, and those points are mentioned in the top or in the introduction of the letter or what you're writing, the essay. Once you mention that, then you go through the body and you begin to um, talk about those points that you mentioned. Those three points, or four, whatever it may be. And then in your conclusion, you recap by summing up what you just said. In this writing that Paul has, this, this writing here, you have your greetings, your beginnings, the body. And the greeting oftentimes listed the person that is writing the letter in this time. And then it would also include the recipient who he is writing to, and anyone else involved. Paul identifies himself and whom he is writing to. You will not see Paul as the, at the introduction praising himself. Anybody that says, I am a slave, is not giving praises to themselves. But there is an abasing that Paul gives in regards to identifying himself as a servant of Christ. Do you know that if you are a Christian or you talk about God, that you are oftentimes excluded in society while many other religions are embraced and even discussed and even recognized in school? But Christian, bring up that you want to say Jesus Christ and see what happens. Uh, bring, bring up something about God that goes against the culture and they will try to block you. Why? Because the battle that we are in, it is a spiritual battle. You see, the things that we often fight, we oftentimes think that our battle is in the flesh and the blood. It is not. When you begin to talk about God, the spiritual atmosphere gets busy. Satan begins to try to oppose you. Paul was having to deal right in the church, even with Timothy, with false teaching. And it's telling, uh, telling Titus and Timothy, deal with it. Titus had to deal with false teaching. And it is something that both of them being young, that Paul says that you need to carry it out. He leaves them with, with some very important tasks to do. 
Right in the church, false teaching is a problem. Paul doesn't praise himself, but he connects himself to the Lord Jesus Christ, says, I belong to you. Paul oftentimes uses that word apostle. In the Greek, it is pronounced or called apostolos. It is a person meaning who is sent. Apostle means one who is sent. All of the disciples that Christ had were not apostles. All of the apostles were disciples. All of the disciples were not apostles. But all of the apostles were disciples. Why? Because all of them had not been sent by Christ. It was those 12 that he was working with. And then we have here Paul. But it was a select group that he was training that he gave the designation to, it says in the Gospels, of apostles, apostolos, and sent them. On Tuesday and Wednesday in Bible study, we dealt with a particular matter of what we call a theophany and a Christophany. And theos means God. is showing, theophany is showing of himself. Christophany oftentimes refers specifically to Christ. There are three things that normally happens with a theophany or Christophany. A theophany, theophany, when God shows himself. Uh, what is a theophany? We think about Moses in the burning bush. When the Lord appeared to him in the bush and the bush didn't burn up. When the Lord in the desert or when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and they were led by the cloud and the cloud covered them by day. They had the cloud, the fire rather, the pillar in the day, the cloud, the the, what we call the Shekinah glory of God. It was God's presence where God came in a different form to his people. There are three things that normally happen when you think of a theophany. Whenever God showed himself. There was almost always fear. That's one. Fear. People don't fear God today. You know why people don't fear God? Because they really don't know who God is. There's fear. Number two. When the Lord appeared to one of his children, one of those who belonged to him, it was often followed by what? Fear not or peace. That's number two. Fear not or peace. You'd never find that with those where judgment is the reason for God appearing. He doesn't say peace or fear not. And we're going to see such a case in just a moment. And the third, when there is a theophany and appearing, there's normally speaking what we call a commission. There is a statement where the Lord is commissioning or telling them something that he wants them to do. In Paul's case, we have a Christophany. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read that. But Paul, and this is Paul who was also Saul, the same one who wrote these books to Titus and Timothy, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, this is before he was saved, <laughs> went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, way was another name or word for believers, Excuse me, men or women, he didn't care if he tore up the family. He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Why? So that he could try them and kill them. That was his purpose. Lord help us. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. This is high noon, y'all. High noon. And falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
And he said, who are you, Lord? Now, Lord does not mean the Jesus Christ. That was a, a Lord was often a reference to an authority or higher authority. He didn't know the Lord at the time. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter. So, let's look at this. Rise and enter the city. And you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Hearing the voice but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground. And although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate or drank. But because I'm I'm not going to be able to finish all of what I have, but let me just give you this. We note the three things that we mentioned about a theophany. We have, there's an appearing here of the Lord. But Paul didn't know the Lord. There's no words of peace or fear not to Saul. You see that? Paul didn't get no, he didn't get any words of comfort. And then three, we find that there is a commissioning. Go to Damascus where you're going, but wait further instructions. Let me conclude at this point by saying this for today. There are times when the Lord has an assignment, and the assignment starts by saying, go and wait for further instructions. You see, when people have not been saved by God's grace, and then they believe that they can stand in God's presence as being righteous, this is a very scary thought. You see, oftentimes it's because people have not been exposed. Let me say this. When a child grows up, and has not learned certain things, you must teach them those things that are harmful and those things that are okay. So what do you do when you see them approaching a snake? You go, no, 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 and you teach them the dangers of a poisonous snake. To me, that would be any snake, gardener snake, I don't care what kind of snake. Danger! Snake. (laughs) Okay, that's me. Some people are just adventurous, go pick it up, oh, it's fine, no. Danger. So it's a person who has to learn. When they grow up, they begin to learn and to know those things that they've learned early. Why? Because they've been taught. Well, people that don't know the Lord don't know the danger of being in his presence unrighteous. And they think that it's okay. But it's not. The purpose of the preaching and teaching of the gospel is to warn, is to give people, let people know that there's a holy God who must be honored. There's danger in approaching God the wrong way. You see, our beliefs and our thoughts are our beliefs and thoughts. And we think somehow that it also means it's okay with God. No. That's why as new believers in Christ, those that are new, we have to be taught. We have to understand that God is a holy God. And that's just like we think about kids growing up. Well, we have to be taught just in that same way when it comes to the Lord. And here is Saul, who was persecuting the church, thinking he was okay. And here we have now Saul, who wrote, Almost half of the New Testament. When the Lord changed his life. But it took a dramatic encounter with him. The Lord knows how to get our attention. Get that. Our Heavenly Father, today we are grateful to you for your your wonderful word. Where we don't have to have deviations from the word of God. As Paul is laying out to Titus that, oh, you are going to need to put some things in order. Paul, a servant of the Lord, an apostle, recognized he had certain authority and he needs to remain true to the word of God. And today we are thankful to you. And we are praying as we go through the study of Titus uh, that you will be with us and bless us and help us and lead us.
May truth saturate our very lives. We praise you and we thank you today. We give you all the glory. For those that don't know you, God, we're praying that as truth is revealed, may there be an opening in the hearts of people to say yes to the will of God. We love you. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.